Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, May the 4th, 2022. It is currently 3.21 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, and already something has gone wrong. You see, I got I got ready to pull up all of the software that I use to go live, and one of the one of the things would not open correctly, so I had to shut down the computer and restart it. But when I did, guess what I forgot to do? I forgot to queue up to requeue up the audio that I had ready to play. We were going we were going to listen to an audio clip, and I had it queued up right where I wanted it to start, and. I forgot to do so. So we're going to have to listen from the beginning until where the clip begins. I think it's I think it's only maybe maybe it's a minute and 40 seconds that we're going to have to waste. I do apologize for that, but hopefully it will be beneficial and it'll be worth that 1 minute and like 48 seconds of your time. Ho- hopefully it won't take that long. I do apologize. I wish I remembered exactly where I had it queued up to. Um, but I, but we'll just start it from the beginning here in a minute. So I know you don't care about that, but just the second I hit the button to go live, I just, I looked over and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It's no longer, it's no longer paused where it's supposed to be paused. Where is my producer? My producer should be the one fixing this, but I, I, I'm the producer and I'm the host and I'm the writer and I'm, I'm the technical support. I'm everything. So so uh, will you forgive me? I, I hope so. You may you may be willing to forgive that and not forgive what we're about to discuss because it's probably going to make someone mad. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to listen to an audio clip. I, I was just about to grab another audio clip and add that one to this discussion because I think it would be extremely relevant. But uh, I'm going to save that for another episode. So we'll, th- there, there's going to basically be two episodes that are very much related together. And hopefully, uh, well, hopefully you just listen to everything we do and then you'll, you won't miss it. And if you don't listen to everything we do, well, then you're probably going to miss it. All right. But are you ready? Here's what happened. At 11.34 a.m. this morning, 11.34 a.m. this morning, Wednesday, May the 4th, I received the following notification from the Pocket Cast podcast uh, app application or the podcast, the Pocket Cast podcast app, uh, which I use to listen to podcasts. And today was like, listen, it was all about listening to podcasts today. So I was using Pocket Cast today to, to listen to most of my podcasts. And at 11.34 a.m., I received the following notification. Is John MacArthur certain of his salvation, and if so, on what basis? Also, what are some unclear, difficult passages of the Bible? So that's the notification I received again at 11.34 a.m. from the Pocket Cast podcast app. Here we go. Again, here's the title. Is John MacArthur certain of his salvation, and if so, on what basis? Also, what are some unclear, difficult passages of the Bible. And I was like, whoa, what a title. That sounds interesting. And I got ready to grab my iPad and hit play, but I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Let's not listen. Let me go find the audio, download the audio, 
and we'll listen to it together. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to listen to this together. I have no idea what they're going to say. I have no idea. That's always the fun, but it should be interesting. But I did find a video clip that I'm going to grab audio from that would be very much connected to this particular concept. And we, we will probably use that for a, a, a different uh, podcast episode. But are you ready? All right. It's Wednesday afternoon. That means I have a limited amount of time because I have to get ready and then drive to Victory Baptist Church about 20 minutes away for our evening service, well, where we will be back in Matthew chapter 24, and that will be a live stream as well, so hopefully you'll tune in. But for now, let's get right to it. You ready? Here we go. Again, this comes from a podcast. I received the notification at 11.34 a.m., so I'm assuming somewhere close to that is when the episode dropped. Uh, again, uh, the notification reads, is John MacArthur certain of his salvation, and if so, on what basis? Also, what are some unclear Difficult passages of the Bible. There's a lot I could say here to set this up. There's a lot here I could add for a great introduction, but we've already spent too much time in introduction, so let's just jump in. Here we go. The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. What are some unclear and difficult passages in the Bible? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of Grace in Focus. I am Lucas Kitchen with the Grace Evangelical Society. Thank you so much for joining us. For a little while, we've been taking questions from listeners like you. Do you have... Let's stop right here. What they've been doing on their podcast has just been taking questions recently. Listeners will write in a question. They'll dedicate a, a podcast episode to answering the question. Always a cool thing to do always awesome. We don't really just dedicate one episode to it. Basically, if you email me a question, typically, usually, hopefully within 24 hours, I'm here with a piece of paper that I pretend to be your email and then we try to answer it. So always feel free to email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I always do my best to try to answer the question. I think what people don't like about the fact the way I answer questions is usually I don't really answer it. <laughs> no, I, I usually ask more questions. But if you want a somewhat of an in-depth approach to answering questions, I, I hope that we at least provide that for you. So I think it's interesting that the main focus here is what are some unclear, difficult passages of the Bible? I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. If you look at 2000 years of church history, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to answer the, answer this question, but I'm going to do so in light of 2000 years of church history. So if we look at 2000 years of church history, here would be the answer to this question. Right, I'm going to answer the question, all right? I'm going to ask the question first. What are some unclear difficult passages of the Bible? Well, I'm going to answer it in light of 2000 years of church history. Every single verse is obviously difficult and unclear. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because Christians can't agree on anything. Look, if you don't believe me, just, again, buy 10 completely different commentaries, right? And just go through those commentaries verse by verse by verse by verse, looking at what? Each one. And you'll just find disagreement, 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 disagreement. Look, we've, we've done that throughout a good portion of Matthew 24. 
Some look at Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse. Oh, that's all pointing to the future. Some say that all points to the past in 70 AD. Some say it's a mixture of both, but nobody can agree on what part applies to the past and what part applies to the future. There's just disagreement, 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 disagreement. So I would say, I know Christians love to say, no, 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 though. The Bible is clear. Anyone can understand it. Well, if that is true, then why after 2,000 years of church history, we can't even come to an agreement on baptism. We cannot come to an agreement on the Lord's Supper. We cannot come to agreement on how the church should be structured and which type of leadership structure should be used. We cannot agree even on uh, key elements of salvation. Total depravity? are not total depravity. You know, election, no election, predestination, no predestination, free will, no free will. We can go on and on and on. Eternal security, no eternal security, uh, lordship versus non-lordship salvation. I mean, there's just disagreement. I know whenever I say that, uh, I will always get emails going, no, Christians agree on most things. And I'm like, are you, where have you been? Okay, where have you been? Just go look at 2,000 years of church history. It's just been never uh, ongoing disagreement. So that would tell me, logically, well, then the Bible's not clear. And you say, no, 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 the Bible's clear, but men make it unclear. Well, if we make it unclear, <laughs> then why can't the clarity of Scripture override our attempts to make it unclear? I mean, at some point, I think we have to just ask, maybe the Bible is not as clear as we want it to be. I, I don't know. I, I know people will get mad at me for saying that, but I just think it's funny. Because my answer would be, again, if you email me, what are some unclear, difficult passages of the Bible? I would say, look at 2,000 years of church history, and the answer is every single one of the verses, from Genesis to Revelation. There we go. <laughs> that, that would be my answer. Okay, but but I, we, I still want to hear about the how is John MacArthur certain of his salvation? That's the part I want to focus on. So let's see if they get to it. Here we go have some question that keeps you up at night, leaves you scratching your head, wondering? Well, if you do, you can send them through email, radio at faithalone.org. We look forward to hearing from you. I do. I, I do think this is interesting. And I started, I started pondering this in the 1990s. In the 1990s, I, I, and I'm not going to go through everything, but if you know, I was very much a avid, dedicated religious listener to family radio. Harold Camping was in charge of family radio at the time. I was a student at the Family Radio School of the Bible, which Harold Camping was over at the time. And uh, I remember that every evening, Monday through Friday, uh, I can't remember what it was called, uh, but they did a, a, a live call-in show. Monday through Friday from like 7 p.m. to like 9 p.m., right? So everyone's calling in asking Brother Harold Camping, Brother Camping, questions about the Bible and theology, right? And then if you turned on at, at that point, I think it was, I think it was KG, I can't remember the uh, call letters, but it was located in Omaha, Nebraska. It was the radio station connected to Grace University, where I was a student of, for a period of time there as well. And uh, the, the, the radio station there, they would air, I believe it came on about, I think maybe about 7 p.m. as well, or maybe it came on later. Um, it was a call-in show where people would call and ask questions. So those were two. And there were there were a couple of other programs at the time where people would call in and ask Bible theology questions. And at that time, you know, I was going to school th thinking one day I'll be a pastor. And I, 
I kind of, I, I, it kind of just perplexed me a little bit. Why are there all these Christian radio programs where people can call in and ask questions? Don't they have a pastor they can call? Don't they have a pastor? Now, I was naive, right? I was very, very, very naive because I thought, oh, when you become a pastor, so you're going to have, you know, all these people sitting there and all they do, they read the Bible and study the Bible and they always have doctrinal questions and they always have theological questions and they're going to be calling you all the time, asking you. And then you become a pastor and realize you don't really get that many calls from anyone asking you any Bible or theology questions. And so it's weird, like, so if, if pastors are not receiving a lot of those calls, then who are the people calling these programs or emailing these programs or texting these programs or wh- however they're contacting them to ask them questions? But you, you, I mean, Christian podcasts all around the country will have programs where they answer listeners' questions. And it's like, do, do the listeners not go to church? Like, it's just, and now I've, look, I love getting the questions, but it's just kind of this weird, like, is it like some unspoken rule that I wasn't aware of? Hey, when you become a member of a church, don't bother the pastor with your theological questions. I wonder if that's, is that just the norm? I, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I've always been a little bit perplexed by that because when any, any, I, I called my pastors all the time. I, I made it a, I, one of my things I would constantly try to do is every Monday, I would call the pastor to ask some question usually about the sermon, to one, demonstrate that, hey, I'm listening and I care, and two, to try to be an encouragement that, hey, someone's listening and someone cares. And even on a Monday, I'm still thinking about the sermon and I'd be like this or this was really good or that was a good point and because I, I wanted to encourage them. and But I, I, I realized after becoming a pastor that may, maybe you just don't get that many phone calls about doctrine and theology and what people are reading and uh, what people are reading in the Bible. I don't know. M- maybe your experience is different, but I do find it interesting that there's programs all over the place where Christian, I mean, there's one called core Christianity. It's an entire podcast. I think all they do is answer questions. I think, I, I think that's typically their format is basically answering questions. I'm like, so they have, I mean that you've got to be getting a lot of emails to constantly have you know content for your podcast if it is constantly based on people asking questions. They got to keep coming in over and over and over and over again. But I just find it I just find it interesting that people seem more willing to ask questions to I guess some someone on the internet or someone in a radio station than they are to ask questions to their their pastor. I, you can you can tell me why that's the case. I don't know. But uh well, let let's see if we get to the MacArthur situation here. Let's go right to today's discussion with Dr. Bob Wilkin and Sean Lazar. Here's Grace and Focus. All right, welcome to the program. Thank you to Lucas for always giving us a great introduction to the show. We appreciate it. And Danny, thank you for the magic you do and pulling everything Danny together. Lipser. Check out Lucas's books. You know, he doesn't really promote himself, but uh, he's a very productive Christian author. I mean, he writes so many books. Like by the time we finish this show, he'll have written another book. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also good with video but and he's also he good with... But he's great with these graphics. I think that's what's... Uh, a lot of people like his graphically presenting the truth in a way that you can just kind of see it in a second. That's a, a real strength of his books, I think. All right, let's get to some questions. How about a shout-out for your grandma? Oh, yeah, shout-out to Nanny. My Nanny. Everyone just calls her Nanny. Is she 89? I think she might be 89, but she listens to us. And she lives in Canada? She lives in Montreal, Canada, born and raised there, and she's French-Canadian. It's interesting. Her her mother's maiden name was Bond. Really? Yeah. 
So I don't know. Is there a relation back there to JB? I'm not quite sure. But to we have some Bond James blood. Bond, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's a question from Ralph. Is John MacArthur absolutely certain of his salvation? And if so, on what basis? Okay, there's the question. Is John MacArthur certain of his salvation? And on what basis? Now, this is a very important theological question. And guess what? There's disagreement within the body of Christ about it. I know it's a shocker, right? Because remember, the Bible, it's clear. It's easy to understand. Anyone can understand it. And many Christians believe the way you understand it is God himself through the Holy Spirit gives you enlightenment and understanding, which after 2000 years of church history, you think the Holy Spirit could get everyone on the same page, but that's a whole different podcast episode. Okay. I have, I have major issues with that, with that concept, but here's the thing. There's major disagreement and it's sad and it's frustrating, but you ask some Christians, how do you know you're saved? And what they will point to is not the finished work of Jesus Christ. They will point to what they do. Now, they may claim that they do it because of the work of God in them, so they may not want to take any credit for it, but it's still going to be based off the practical actions, the the what they do and what they don't do. They're going to look to their obedience, their works, their practical righteousness as proof of their salvation. Now, if you're within Roman Catholicism, that would make perfect sense because you believe that in justification, you are infused with righteousness, and then you must cooperate with that righteousness to stay in a state of grace, needing the help of the church and the sacraments, so that when you die, you can go to purgatory to be purged for the re- from the rest of your unrighteousness and, and sin and ungodliness. That's the Catholic system. But the whole Protestant Reformation was a, was a rejection of that system. And we, and the, the concept was we are justified not by an infused righteousness, but by an imputed righteousness. And an imputed righteousness does not change you. It declares you to be perfectly righteous and holy because Christ's active and passive obedience is imputed to your account. So that system would seem to say, how do I know I'm saved? Look to the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how I know I'm saved, because I am trusting in that. The other argument is, no, 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 no. You may be trusting in that, and that's wonderful, but if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, or if you do these, if you do, if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, you're not saved. And if you do A, B, C, D, E, you're not saved. Let me give you an example. I just saw this just a a few minutes ago. See if I can find it. Yeah, someone, uh, posted this at uh, yesterday uh, yesterday at 5.19 p.m. If you're advocating for abortion and abortion rights, you are not a follower of Jesus. If you're advocating for abortion and abortion rights, you are not a follower of Jesus. Now, are they using the term follower of Jesus to say that In other words, using it as a synonym for someone who's a Christian. So now your Christianity is based on what you believe about abortion. Now, wait a minute. It's my salvation based on what I, and they say, no, no, it's not, it's not based off that. But if you have the wrong view of abortion, then that proves you were never saved. Meaning that my, my, my assurance of salvation is based on what I believe about abortion. It just, it just becomes this really 
problematic situation where I am not trusting in the imputed righteousness of Christ. I know we play the semantics. No, 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 no. You're saved by the imputed righteousness of Christ. But if you've truly been saved, you will do this, this, and this, and you won't do this, this, and that. Well, what you're saying is, how do I know I'm saved? Not because of what Jesus did, but because of what I do or don't do. Meaning my salvation, no matter how you want, how far you, how hard you try to get around it, is based off my works. That's a problem. So there is much disagreement on this. How does someone have assurance? The finished work of Christ or what you do? Well, they ask the question, how does MacArthur know that he's saved? Let's see what they have to say in answering this question. And uh, my answer would be not now. You're going to have to ask him. Yeah. But, uh, but let's say as a theory... Can a lordship person be certain of their salvation and on what basis? Okay. I like the way they do that. That, hey, you'd have to ask him. All right. That, that's very important. So let's just step away from MacArthur because asking about a specific person is always a wrong way to go about it because how can they answer for that person? If you want to know what a person thinks, go ask the person. Don't go ask someone about that person. So they, they do a very good job here of like, you know, in theory, let's just step away from MacArthur and look at someone who holds to lordship salvation. Can someone who holds to lordship salvation have assurance now? Now, some within lordship salvation would argue yes. Some, but if they're honest, whatever assurance you have now is really of no great value because ultimately, unless you demonstrate by your life a host of different things, you you can you can in other words you can only be I guess you can only have assurance when you are doing and not doing when you're doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. So in other words, your sure assurance is always based on your obedience and your works. But the problem is, whatever my works are today, they could be different tomorrow. So even if I have assurance today, I may not have assurance tomorrow. And really, the only way I'm going to truly know that I'm saved is when I get to the end of my life and look at my entire life to see, did I do enough of this and not and not do these bad things? Then, then I can have some kind of assurance because you can never really know because your salvation, even though they say it's based off God's grace... It's really determined by what I do and don't do. And that's the problem. Let's see how they answer it. And uh, I, I wanted to bring in this clip that would kind of give you the famous John MacArthur test to prove if you're saved. And, well, we'll, we'll, well I may give you at least the points of the test here in a, in, in a second. Here we go. In my I don't know. I wonder if I'd have a different answer than you. All right. Well, first of all, I did ask John MacArthur. Okay. In 1989, San Diego, California, he was speaking at the Evangelical Theological Society meetings there, and I was able to ask him a question because yeah. he had been talking about what faith in Christ meant, what saving faith was. Yeah. He had said that we needed to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Right. And that meant looking at our work. So I went up to the microphone and I said, so, Dr. MacArthur, if we're supposed to examine ourselves regularly to see if we're in the faith— then doesn't that mean that right now I can't be certain that I have everlasting life? And he said, well, I don't know what you mean by certain. Mm -hmm. And I said, 
certainty, absolutely sure. Yeah. And he said, well, he said, you know, and then he spoke about the Puritans and said, you know, the Puritans felt that we needed to continually, at least on a regular basis, at least as often as we take the Lord's Supper, examine yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And so uh, he said, I think it would be a problem to say that we're absolutely certain. And you can look all that up. I believe we published it on our website. Okay. It's all transcribed. I originally published just my recollection of it, kind of like what I'm doing now, and it wasn't exactly right. Mm -hmm. So we published a transcript of it. So go to faithalone.org and you can look it up. But my answer would be... A lordship salvation person, if they are consistent... See, that's the key right there. Right. If they're consistent. Then they cannot be sure. Now, let's say that a lordship salvation person said, I know that all who... Now, of course, this would have to be a reformed lordship salvation. An Arminian lordship salvation person cannot be sure they're going to spend eternity with the Lord. They, well, I think they can be if they're inconsistent... Well, they would have to say, I'm sure I'm going to persevere, because yeah. if they don't and persevere... And some people say that, right? This is the point that I wanted to bring up, and maybe you can tell me about it, because I just read a, someone quoted Zane Hodges on a, on a site, and he made this point. I've noticed over many years of being on social media that people are sure of lots of things, which if they actually investigate it, they should absolutely not be sure of. Right. Assurance and your psychological certainty is not always what it should be based on the evidence that you have. Right. If CNN tells you something or whatever news channel says this is the case, and someone's absolutely sure that's the case, maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe you need to investigate things and be consistent and question your certainty in light of new evidence. Right. Like everything about COVID. People have been very sure that, let's say, masks work because someone told them that. And they never investigated it, and they've never questioned it, but they're absolutely sure that masks work. You mean they didn't? But they didn't. But let's say, for example, that they didn't, or the mask that we had, the cloth mask we had, just didn't work. So I can imagine someone, sometimes our assurance, I think the point that Zane was making was that some people do have assurance, but it's false assurance. Right. And then- All right, someone in chat just asked me a question. This is the, let me go back to the Discord channel where I posted the, the notification earlier today. This is the Grace and Focus podcast that we're currently listening to because someone emailed them and asked them a question. Uh, is John MacArthur certain of his salvation? And if so, on what basis? So they're dealing with, with the idea of certainty and they're trying to trying to answer, can someone who holds to the lordship view, which is obviously what John MacArthur is famous for, can they have certainty? And they're trying to draw a distinction between someone who's a reformed uh, who is reformed and holds to lordship salvation, or someone who's Arminian? So, so they're going. They're 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 kind. They're trying to flesh this out. They still haven't really given a specific answer because I think the real answer is this: someone who holds to lordship salvation cannot have one hundred percent certainty because their certainty is not based off the finished work of Jesus Christ. Their certainty is based off what they are doing or not doing at any given time. So they would say you have to constantly examine yourself, which I know they take take that from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Maybe we'll have to do some work on that. But they they constantly, uh, this would be the constant, constant idea. And what you're supposed to do is constantly be examining yourself in light of certain tests. Certain test. I have MacArthur's test right here. I think this is his 
I think if this is his 11-point test, I think it turned into a 14-point test at some point. Or maybe it was Jonathan Edwards who had the 14-point test and MacArthur had the 11-point test. But there's all these tests out there. I think there's a 15-point test as well. Depending on who you listen to, hey, how do you know you saved? Here's the test. And, well, it, it gets all convoluted. But we'll, we'll let them try to flush this out a little bit and see if they, how they ultimately answer this. Here we go. And our job at that point is to show them that it's false assurance. Right. And so let's say a Lordship Salvation person, someone who thinks their salvation is based on works, they might have assurance. They might be like, yeah, I'm a basically good person. That's all that's required to go to heaven when I die. And I know I'm a basically good person. I'm sure of it. So I'm sure and I'm going I know to heaven I'll when I die. stay that way. Yeah. And I know I'm going to stay that way. And yeah. I- now, I just got to clarify something here because I think it's a little unfair. If you ask many people who hold the Lordship, they would never say, I know I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person or because I'm going to stay a good person or because my works. They would probably tell you because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. However, the theology of Lordship salvation says, though, if you don't do this or if you do that, you are you were never saved. If you don't do this or you don't do that, you were never saved. And they constantly challenge people that way and say, well, that person did that. You know, wait, there's no way they could be saved. If they do that, there's no way you could be saved. If they did this, there's no way they could be saved. And this is a constant teaching in the minds of many Christians where you're constantly saying, someone, you can't do that and be saved. You can't do that and be saved. You can't do that and be saved. You can't think that way and be saved. You can't do, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And it's always trying to find a way to throw someone out of the kingdom of God on the basis of what they do. And my argument has been and will continue to be my, if, if I'm Roman Catholic, then I agree with all of that. Remember my, I held the Lordship salvation and what began to change my mind is when I was a student at a Catholic university learning Catholic theology so that I could better speak of Catholic theology from a position of knowledge and not a position of ignorance. And then basically it was the Catholic professors, Catholic priests who were the professors who basically said, well, Lordship salvation is just a Protestant form of Catholicism. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, well, you, you remember the whole Protestant idea is that you're justified because of an imputed righteousness, which doesn't make you practically righteous. It just declares you to be perfectly righteous. It's, it's a forensic, it's a legal declaration declaring you to be this. The lordship idea is you're saved and that salvation must produce this, 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 and this. And if it doesn't produce that, well, then you were never saved, seeming to imply that you're saved by an infused righteousness, which is exactly what Catholicism has always taught. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute here. Okay, no, I I don't believe in infused righteousness. I'm like, well, it sounds like you do. And then I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I got to restart rethinking this. And I started rethinking it and started thinking, you know what? If salvation is based off an imputed righteousness, then my practical righteousness cannot be the test to prove if I've received, if I have been declared righteous by the imputed righteousness of Christ. How do I know I've been declared righteous by the imputed, because of the imputed righteousness of Christ? It is by faith. If I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ and in the righteousness he provides, That's how I know I'm saved. I can't base it off what I do because what I do can't be, can't prove an imputed righteousness, which doesn't actually make me righteous in a practical sense. It's, it's convoluting and confusing a, an imputed righteous understanding of justification. So that's where I started having problems and starting having 
issues. All right. So they're, they're still trying to answer this, but yeah, they're, they're, this becomes, it's just amazing how much disagreement there is, even within the Protestant world on this subject. All right. Here, here we go. No problem with that. And they have absolutely no doubt about it. In that case, they have assurance, but it's false assurance. Now, I've got to stop right here and just go back to what I was saying. I, again, I think I just want to make sure it's, it's clear. The, the, if you ask the average lordship person, they're going to say they're not going to say that their assurance comes from their works or, their, or that they know they're saved because they're a good person or they do good works. They're going to probably say it's because of Christ, but they will contradict that when they turn around and say, well, if you don't do this or you don't do that, you're not saved, meaning I've got to do these things in order to be saved. They, it, it becomes really convoluted when you listen to them try to explain it because they will fluctuate back and forth between sounding like they believe in a salvation by grace alone through faith alone, but then claiming if you don't do this and do this, then you were never saved, meaning I have, so it's not just grace alone, that grace alone has to produce works because if I don't have the works, then I'm not saved. So, and I know they'll go to Ephesians 2, they'll read verse 8 and 9, then say verse 10, but then they'll say, then the works prove that you were saved. Well, that, that would imply an infused righteousness and, and it just becomes a major mess. All right. So I just want to make sure though a lordship person is not just going to say, I'm saved because I'm a good person. They're not, they're not going to say that most we'll put it this way. None of the ones I ever knew or anything that I ever read from a lordship position would state it that way. There may be someone out there who would. So I just I just think we have to be fair in the way we represent it. All right, here we go. Right. So, and then then that's when it's like, well then we have to talk to them and say, listen. Let's be consistent here. You're raising a good point here, and Ralph's question brings this up. A person can be unregenerate, unsaved, yeah. and yet be convinced they are saved. Yeah. On the other hand, the opposite is also true. Yes. A person can be regenerate and yet no longer be sure. Right. For example, John MacArthur, in my opinion, from what I've heard of him talking about his own life and read about him, I believe... He was certain of his eternal destiny when he was at Biola and even at the beginning when he was at Talbot Seminary. And then later he studied the Puritans and later he lost his assurance. And so he would be an example today, in my opinion, of a born-again person who no longer has assurance. But if he hypothetically said, well, I'm absolutely sure I'm going to persevere and I'm absolutely sure I'm going to get in, well, then he would be an inconsistent Calvinist. Right. Well, I shouldn't say inconsistent, because there are some Calvinists who don't look at all to their works for assurance, yeah, like Engelsma, for example. Yeah, yeah. But he would be inconsistent with the way most five-point Calvinists look at things. Right. Or I, I was reading an article, and I wrote a blog on it a few months ago, about this debate in Roman Catholicism about you know whether you need to be Catholic to go to heaven when you die. and. There are traditionalists who are like, yeah, you need to be Catholic. You need to do all the sacraments of the church and everything else that's required of you. Otherwise, you're going to go to hell. But then there's this whole other stream of Catholicism, as described in this article, that are like, yeah, we believe that hell exists, but we don't think anyone is going to go there, that God's just going to find a way to save everyone. So those Roman Catholics have assurance of their salvation because they think everyone's going to be saved. Right. And we would say, okay, no, no, that you don't have saving faith at that point. You have assurance, but it's wrong assurance right and so now let's talk about that (laughs) and so it's almost like our goal in that case would be to dismantle the false assurance in order for them to come to actual real biblical assurance i think that's right right yeah 
Is there anything more to say about that? I don't no. know. No? Okay. <laughs> I think you covered it. Is yeah. everyone confused now? Okay, good. Have I confused everyone? Excellent. All right, here's a question from... Okay, that, that didn't really answer the question. In fact, they seem to just make it more confusing. All right, so let, let's, let's see if we can break this down. All right. Your assurance, you're going to find assurance, and I think... And and one there, there's only two places you're going to find assurance. All right, you're either going to find assurance in the imputed righteousness of Christ, or can I say the finished work of Jesus Christ? If someone says, "How do you know you're saved?" I will say, "Look at the finished work of Jesus Christ: His death, burial, resurrection, ascension to the right hand of the Father, and and by faith, His finished work." His righteousness is imputed to my account. My assurance is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's one place you can look. Another system will say, my assurance is found in what I do or don't do. You either will find assurance in the finished work of Christ, or you will find assurance in your ongoing work that you're doing. I mean, really, that's the, that's the, I know people will say that's a mischaracterization, but that's really what it comes down to. Either you're going to find assurance in the finished work of Jesus Christ, or you're going to find assurance in what you are doing, your work. You're going to say, well, it's not my work. It's God working through me. You still may want to give God credit for the work, but you're still looking to what you're doing. I mean, or we could state it this way, since we're, we're currently doing a mini-series on this. You're either going to find your assurance based off your position in Christ, or you're going to find assurance in your practice as a Christian. I look for my assurance in my position, not in my practice, because here's the one thing I know about my practice and my actions. My actions will never, ever come close to the standard which God demands. His, his demand is be ye holy as I am holy. I will never be that holy. I will never come so close. I will never even come with, I will never come within a million miles of that. He says to love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. I will never do that. My practice will show me every single day that I fall short. Every single day I fall short in action. I fall short in thought. I fall short in, uh, in emotion and desire and motives. I, 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 I fall short in every way possible, every single day. So if I look to my assurance and what I do, here's what I, I have to do. Either one, I've got, to re, I've got to lower the standard of God so that I can convince myself that I need it, or I have to exalt what I'm doing as being more godly and righteous than I am so that I can have some kind of assurance. No, don't look to yourself. You want assurance? Look to what Jesus Christ did. He came. He kept the law because you cannot. He died to pay for your sin. And when you put your faith in him, his righteousness and obedience is imputed to you. That is where you find assurance. You're either, you're either trusting in Christ or you're trusting in yourself. And I know many in the Lordship say, we're not trusting in ourselves, but you're looking to yourself. Let me give you an example. How do you know you're, here is a biblical test of genuine salvation. Here's a biblical test of genuine salvation. This comes from 
John MacArthur. Now, I think, like I said, there was an 11-point test. I think it may have went up to a 15-point test. Maybe it was a 14-point test. There's a lot of these tests floating around. We talked about this at my church, and I pulled out MacArthur's test, and we went through every point of the test. By the time it was over, I think I concluded that not only is no one in my church saved, that I'm not saved, and really I called into question pretty much the salvation of every human being I've ever known, okay? Because, but here is the test, right? Here's, now look, you either look to your position or you look to your practice. Here is the test they give to supposedly prove your salvation, and let me tell you, they're not looking to your position, they're looking to your practice. Here we go, number one, do you enjoy fellowship with God and Christ? Do you enjoy fellowship with God and Christ? Now, that's a pretty vague thing, right? So we would really have to get into that and go exactly what does that mean? What does that exactly does that mean? All right. Um, they, I'll, I'll just, well, I won't go through all of them because I could start reading. I've got all of the notes from MacArthur here. We could go through them, but that's a pretty vague thing. Do you really enjoy fellowship with God in Christ? What does that look like practically? I mean, this is supposedly going to be how you know you're saved. What does it look like? Do you love spending time in God's word? Do you love spending time reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing the Bible? You love being in church. You like Because I know a lot of Christians, they can say they love it all day. They can say they enjoy it all day. But if you look at their lives, they seem to love a lot of things far more. They love being on social media. They love Netflix. They love Hulu. They love Disney Plus. They love whatever. They, they love a, They love friends. They love camping. They love fishing. They love hunting. They love football. They love and enjoy so many things. And I don't know if they truly, truly enjoy fellowship with God in Christ. So even right there, like you got to start articulating specifically what you mean. I guarantee you, I'm going to start going, I'm not so sure about that. Number two. Are you sensitive to sin in your life? Now, wh- how, what demonstrates your sensitivity? Now, are you saying, typically what this means, you're sensitive to big sin. <laughs> but there's sin in everyone's life on a regular and consistent basis. See, this is always the weird thing. These tests almost act like you can be without sin. But you're sinning 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're always in some, you don't love God the way you're supposed to. You don't love your neighbor the way you're supposed to. You don't desire God's word the way you're supposed to. I can go on and 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 on. You're not holy as God demands you to be holy. You're constantly in some state of sin. So what does it mean to be sensitive to sin? Now, again, they have to, because remember, this is either going to prove whether you're saved or not saved. Number three, do you obey the scriptures? What in the world? <laughs> okay, here's a scripture. Be holy as God is holy. Do you obey that? No, you've never obeyed that. Therefore, you're in a perpetual state of disobedience. And they'll say, well, 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 no, you're, you're, it just, just means you generally obey. What? Because I know this. Because see, they, they always point to like, you got to look to your actions. You got to look to your actions. You got to look to your actions. They always say you got to look to your actions. And so remember this, Jesus said this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. What is God's will? I say the will is to believe on the son, because look at what they say. There's going to be those who come to him and look what they're going to point to. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? They call him Lord. Do we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils? 
and in thy name done many wonderful works. And guess what? They, they called him Lord. They, they prophesied in his name. They cast out demons and they did many wonderful works. And guess what? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you work of, workers of iniquity. Even though they did all of these things, it wasn't sufficient proof of their salvation. There, there, there's people who had works and it wasn't enough. So here, how are you going to make a test obedience to scripture? What they always do, do this is how it, this is what drives me crazy about these tests. This supposedly proves whether you're saved or not saved. You obey the scriptures and then they immediately wait, you know, wait about five seconds, but no one's going to do it perfectly. So my imperfect obedience to scripture is the test to see whether I am saved. <laughs> my, my disobedience to scripture is somehow, as long as my disobedience is not too severe, then I can know that I'm saved. That, that, you see how just utterly subjective that is? Do you reject this evil world? Do you reject the evil world? What does that look like practically? What does it look like? Do you love Christ and eagerly await his return? Do you truly love Christ? Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Do you see sin decreasing? Now, do you see big sin decreasing? Because I think you're always going to see sin. And if sin is always going to be there, like, how do you judge this? And again, see, now you're, 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 this clearly demonstrates that you're still going to be sinning, but now I got to try to determine if I'm sinning less. Well, you see how subjective this is? So what happens is everyone convinces themselves, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But by looking to yourself, I know I'm saved because I know that Jesus finished the work. That's, that's how I know I'm saved. Do you love other Christians? Do you receive answers to your prayers? Do you experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Can you discern between spiritual truth and error? Can you discern between spiritual truth and error? Do you know how, how many Christians walk around going, every Christian claims that they can draw the distinction between spiritual truth and error? Yeah, there's very few Christians like, I can't know that. I don't know the difference between truth and error. I just, I just don't have a clue. Every Christian says they can. They claim that what they believe is truth and what everyone else believes is error. So, like, so, so according to MacArthur, well, wait a minute. I, I reject your lordship view. So maybe I'm the one who can discern between spiritual truth and error and you're the one who can't. And he would, he would say, no, I can discern between spiritual truth and error. You can't. You see how just, these are subjective, meaningless tests that, that supposedly is going to give someone assurance of salvation. Next, have you suffered on account of your faith in Christ? You got to make sure you're suffering on account of your faith in Christ. If you have, that's how you know you're saved. What if, I mean, we live in America for crying out loud. I mean, like what, what kind of suffering, like, do I need to, do I need to pack up real quick and run to an Islamic country or to China and make sure I get locked up and beaten so that I can say, okay, now I know that I'm saved. I mean, like, there, there, there's Muslims who are suffering right now in China. Does that mean they're saved? I mean, I don't, how does that even proof of one's, it could be the fact that you're suffering not because of your faith, but because of your foolishness, because of, of your attitude or because of, are you provoking people? Like, I, I, but those are the 11 tests. 
Do you enjoy fellowship with God in Christ? Are you sensitive to sin? Do you obey the scriptures? Do you reject the evil world? Do you love Christ and eagerly await his return? Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Do you love other Christians? Do you receive answers to your prayers? Do you experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Can you discern between spiritual truth and error? And have you suffered on account of faith in Christ? Now, here's the thing. The people who believe in that kind of test will all tell you they do all of those things. And I've met way too many people who say they do all of those things. And come on, come on, come on. When you get to know them, not so. I said, well, I don't do the, they'll always say, I don't do these things perfectly. Well, if you don't do them perfectly, then how can they be, how can they give you any assurance? Imperfection to, imperfect answers to the question, questions on the test is sufficient grounds for assurance of passing the test? You think you would need 100% to know. I guess, do you get a 60 and you pass? It's just subjective. Here's how I know I'm saved. The finished work of Jesus Christ. And someone's going to say, 1 John. 1 John is the test book. I think 1 John is a test book because uh, against Gnosticism. It's a polemic against Gnosticism. And we've already talked about that in great depth. But a lot of people are committed to these kinds of things. I mean, they are committed. You, you, you got to take the test. You got to take the test. And we come up with the test. And then here's what we do. We come up with the test and we convince ourselves that we pass the test. But here's the thing. You may pass the test today. Are you going to pass the test tomorrow? That means your assurance is not true assurance because you have to wait till you get to the, wouldn't you have to wait till you get to the end of your life to see if you're, the totality of one's life passed the test? Passing the test today is not assurance of salvation. You got to pass the test for the totality of your life. So there can be no assurance today. I guess you could, you could say, well, I'm passing the test today. So if I was to die today, but see, you see how that's, that just sounds like a completely works-based system. Here's how I know I'm saved. Jesus Christ, he paid for my sins. He finished the work of salvation, and I'm trusting in his finished work. I'm trusting in his righteousness. That's how I know I'm saved. Now, should I live a life where I'm enjoying the fellowship with God in Christ? Yes. Should I live a life that I'm becoming more and more sensitive to sin? Absolutely. Should I seek to obey the scriptures? Absolutely. Should I seek to reject evil? All of these things are things that we should strive to do and we should look to do. Absolutely. But to make them that somehow this is assurance, their answer wasn't really really helpful. I mean, the fact that they committed seven minutes to answering that question See, that's why I don't do those programs like that. That's why. Because when you're when you're gonna answer multiple emails, you're gonna you're in most cases you're gonna you're going to just not help people with their actual answers. It, to, to answer that we require an hour minimum. He's probably three hours, probably six hours. So I'll just break it down this way. This is where you gain your assurance. It from your position in Christ or from your practice. If you want to say, you have to look to your practice for assurance, by all means, be my guest, do that. I would just ask you, don't so deceive yourself 
by either lowering the standards of God or exalting yourself and thinking that you're better than you are. At some point, you're going to have to come face to face with yourself and you're going to realize how much sin, how much disobedience is in your life if you take God's standards seriously. And then you're going to feel the weight of your sin and you're going to feel helpless, hopeless, discouraged. And I want you to remember this. When you feel that way, look to the finished work of Christ. Then you can have assurance and then you can have peace and then you can rest in what Christ did for you. And I will argue that the lordship view is just a Protestant version of Roman Catholicism. It almost teaches an infused righteousness and you must demonstrate that infused righteousness and order. Now, the only difference is, is the Protestant version removes purgatory. So you got to pass the test in order to make sure you go to heaven. At least in Catholicism, you can just, you, you may not qu- completely pass the test, but at least you get to purgatory to get purged of all of the imperfections so that you can get to heaven. And lordship, nope, you just go to hell. You don't, you don't, you, there's not a, there's not a, a purgatory to help you out. So you've got to pull it off here now. Now, they would say it's not you pulling it off. It's God working through you. I understand that. There you have it. I'm just going to have to stop right there. Now, I have a video um, from, it's a 15-question test uh, from Wretched Radio. They get they have a 15-question test. Well, we may have to examine the 15-question test. See, and it's just funny. Everyone's got a different uh, test. So which test is the genuine test? Is it Jonathan Edwards? Is it MacArthur? Is it is it Wretched Radio? Whose who's test is the one? I, that's the test I have to have to know that I'm saved. It, I find it interesting that we can't even agree on the test, but hey, there's the test. Of course, some people say First John is the test. Yeah, it's a test to see if you're if you're following uh, the uh, Gnosticism of the time. It's a polemic against Gnosticism. That's what it was, and we we talked about that in our study of First John. But all right, I wish I had a better answer than that. But I wanted to hear what they had to say. I'm kind of disappointed. I really thought it was going to be this interesting conversation. I really thought they were going to go in, and they didn't really. They really, they, <laughs> that was, that was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Sometimes I get frustrated when we do, I, I love doing this, but sometimes at the end I get frustrated because remember, whenever we review an audio clip, I don't listen to it first. I know, I know I'm supposed to, but see, then I feel like I'm, I'm rehearsing my, um, that I'm rehearsing my response. And I hate that. I like going in with it with no, just, all right, here's, here's the title. Let's listen to it together, and then I just react in real time. I think it's more genuine that way. Um, it, it may not be as professional, but uh, I think it's it's more real, and I, I, li- I like that better. I like that than the rehearsed one. All right. There, that's a pencil, yeah. Yeah, I always have that pencil in my hand when I start thinking. All right. Thinking, do I want to do, do a podcast episode where we go through these fif- the 15-question test from Wretched Radio? We may do so just just to add to this discussion, and we we, we still need to get back and finish our study on position versus uh, practice because that's very very much com- connected to this. And you can also go back and listen to our two part study on the difference between law and grace. All of this kind of just fits together perfectly, and uh, hopefully it'll be beneficial. All right, you can email me your thoughts newsif at yahoo dot com newsif at yahoo dot com. 
And if you are a strong lordship view, view, I'm very aware of the view. I held the view, preached the view, taught the view for for a very long time. Uh, You can tell me, you can, you know, you can email me, tell me that I'm wrong. Um, Look, here's my, I'm not going to argue with you. You want to, you want to trust in what you do as proof of your salvation? Be my guest. I'll be here when you finally realize (laughs) that you probably don't even meet the test that you think you're meeting. At some point, you're going to realize you don't. And whenever that happens, whenever you feel, oh my goodness, I don't know about this, look to the finished work of Christ. That's where your peace and comfort will be found. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. That is your only hope, your only assurance is what Jesus did, not what you do. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.